So today we're starting a new series called Living Stones, okay? But what I want to do, I want to do something different that I don't normally do. What I want to do is I want to slow down for a minute and give you some background. I want to give you quite a bit of background on how we got to this series. So, um, you know, as I was recovering, um, I, I'm, like God didn't make me to lay down, <laughs> and I had to lay down a lot. And so when you lay down a lot, I, I mean, even though TV only goes so far, right? You kind of run out on that. And uh, I had a lot of time to just kind of reflect and pray and think. And as I did, um, I, I really see three things as I look back over the last three years that really are the background for this series that we're going to start today. The first one is, uh, you've heard me say this before, just the need to go deeper. Like, we need to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus, and we need to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus' people. Like, it's kind of that simple, but cultural Christianity is not going to do it. It's not going to be enough. And I think COVID exposed that for a lot, at least the American church. I don't know how the other churches around the world fared through that, but those gaps in our faith and that kind of you know, fast-paced life, just skipping a rock across the surface and, and having a little bit of relationship with God, a little bit of engagement in the kingdom, man, it's not going to be enough. And so um, everything that we're talking to you about moving forward has something to do with how do we go deeper? So that's one of the things that I, that I saw as I look back. The other one is this. The second was this, COVID chaos. So COVID created uh, just just unprecedented amount of chaos. And to be honest with you, I don't think most of us have had the space or the place to really process that. So let's just think back for a minute. You know, the whole world shut down. We had to wear masks. And so, you, you know, uh, I don't know how you were raised. So I was raised, villains wear masks. Right? And so everybody was a villain overnight. You know, we couldn't see their mouth. We couldn't see their nose. We couldn't see their facial expression. And, and, uh, and then we couldn't touch each other. You know, we couldn't shake hands. No pats on the back. No hugs. And then when we came in a building and sat, we had to sit six feet apart. And, and then you go to the grocery store and you got to look at somebody through plexiglass, you know, or these big uh, clear plastic edifices built around. We bubble wrapped the world. That's what we tried to do. And that was toxic for relationships. I'm not debating on whether we should or shouldn't have done it. Please, I don't have the time. That's over. But, it, but here's what it did do. It was toxic for relationships, and I think what it did is it made us, let me back up for just one second. And then there's all the um, cultural pressure that exploded in the middle of all that, right? Remember all of those things. Just use your imagination. I'm not even going to list them. But in the middle of that, I think it made us all a little more skeptical of each other. I think it made us all a little less trusting. And I think we kind of got used to sitting further apart and used to kind of going it on our own and used to being disconnected. And so this um, COVID chaos really hurt relationships. Here's the thing, though. The kingdom of God is built on relationships. It's not built on buildings. It's not built on organizations. It's not built on denominations. It's not built on plaques. It's not built on charts. It's not built on graphics. It's built on relationships. And so here, I just had an idea. If we had some negative chaos that messed a lot of it up, what would happen if we created some positive chaos? Anybody, anybody open for some positive chaos? 
How about that? Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and give you the big takeaway from the whole series, all right? And then we'll unpack it for a while. Here's what I'm gonna ask everybody at Kingwood Church to do in the next month, in the month of August. I want everybody at Kingwood Church to invite somebody to go eat lunch with you after church. They're not gonna eat you, <laughs> right? Everybody at Kingwood Church invite one person. Now, some of you extroverts are like, can we do it every week? Yes. <laughs> Go scoop them up, you know? Can we do it when August is over? Yes, fire away. But everybody at Kingwood, find somebody you don't know or you don't know very well and ask them to eat lunch with you after church. What would happen if we created some positive chaos? Wouldn't that be fun? Now, here's the thing. I just want to set the ground rules. We're all going Dutch. <laughs> Nobody's buying your lunch, okay? Don't, don't wait to see what kind of car somebody gets in and goes, they can pay for my lunch. <laughs> hey, I'd like to go to lunch with you. You're buying. All right, so let's create some positive chaos and, 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 uh, and, and let's, let's see how God might use that. All right, here's the third thing I saw. As I reflected back on the time we went through, I realized um, that I had some inner conflict as a leader that I don't think I had acknowledged. And so uh, you, you wouldn't know this because you, know, you, you wouldn't know, nobody knows the inner workings of any, anybody else. But as a pastor, as a leader, I, I dealt with conflict and I um, oftentimes didn't teach us things that I couldn't apply myself. And so I tended to shy away from some things that we probably needed to focus on, but because of the crisis of my own life and my health and a lot of other things, I, it felt disingenuous to me to teach them to you and to talk to you about them when I knew that I couldn't fully apply myself. And I, and I think I got that wrong. And so I just want to say that to you, and I want to apologize to you about that. I, I think I got that wrong. I think I, I think I shied away, even though I knew in my heart this is something our church needs. But I thought, I can't, how can I teach that with integrity until I can fully live it out myself? And I, and I just think because of my circumstances, I got that wrong. And so I want, to, I want to lean into that in this series. And that's part of what this series is about. So... The other thing I, I think that, that, that I see is, as a part of that, I, I love um, some of the strengths that our church has that I think are in some ways unique to us. Our church is a church that is gracious um, and, and helpful and healing. Our church, uh, there's not a lot of pressure here. You know what I mean? You're not pressured. Like, you can just show up as you are. You don't have to fix yourself and clean up and become somebody and put on a certain face. You can just show up, and the people here at Kingwood will just accept you as you are. And I love that. I love that about our church. Our church is very stable. We've ridden out a lot of storms. And in the core of this church, there's a lot of rock-solid stability. And I love that. Here's the thing, though, sometimes. Because we are a church of such grace, and we don't use fear, we don't use shame, we don't use guilt, we, we genuinely believe that grace is the greatest motivating factor in the kingdom of God. And we live that out, and I love that. 
But the thing is, sometimes because we're so gracious and because we're so stable, sometimes we, we have failed to raise the urgency level in some areas that it needs to be raised in. And, and I, I have to own that and I have to take responsibility for that. And so I think one of those areas is I've not raised the urgency level enough on how important it is that we walk together in relationship. In other words, that we do everything we can do to get everybody inside our influence as a church in a relationship with somebody who's following Jesus. Like, like I, I've, I've tended to let that slide because I didn't have the ability to do it much myself. And so, um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to raise the urgency this morning. Is that all right? Okay, so it'll get a little uncomfortable. Is that all right? It, 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 we'll, we'll talk, we'll wait a little bit deeper. But look, here's the thing that I, I understand after COVID. We have to go deeper. And that doesn't just mean this way, it also means this way. We have to go deeper. We can't do relationships like the modern American does relationships and call that New Testament Christianity. Are you with me? Okay, then go out to lunch with somebody. <laughs> All right, here we go. So um, this has been a great season for our church. Like, despite it all, this has been a fan. I can't tell you, I've never seen it quite like this. In the last nine months, we've had more new people come to our church than any, any nine-month time I can remember. Just, just tons have come. And I think this fall, as people kind of drop back into the normal routine, we're going to see, you know, a lot more people show up. And, and that's amazing. Did you know that last Sunday morning, we had 19 people here who, who have never been to Kingwood in their life, and they were here for the very first time, and they let us know they were here. I'm sure there were other people who, who were new here, and they didn't even tell us. We had 19 people. And for any of them that are back, would you welcome them? Like, I'm glad. I think that's awesome. But, but here's the thing. As we grow, I feel a growing responsibility to raise the urgency on relationships. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, we've said for years now, life is better together. Life, you know what? You were so mopey on that. <laughs> life is better together. Yes, like you mean it. That's good. I like it. I believe that. We believe that. We've been saying it. We're going to keep saying it. However, here's one thing I want to show you. What that statement tells you are the benefits of relationships. Like the benefit to you is that when you do life together, your life's better. And I believe that and we believe that. However, as I've said to you already, this morning I want to go deeper. What, what is beneath that in the kingdom of God? What's beneath that is we need to build relationships with each other so that we might become the dwelling place of God. So let me make a statement to you this morning, and, and if you want to write this down or whatever, this is what I believe God is saying to us in this season. Here it is. We are only as strong as our relationships, and we will only go as far as our relationships will carry us. Now, whether you agree with that or not, just pretend for a minute that it's true. What would that mean? How would that impact your life and your circumstances? 
in order to fulfill the destiny that we have as a church and as individuals, and if we're ever gonna be a movement of hope, we're gonna have to roll our sleeves up and we're gonna have to build some relationships, and that's what I'm gonna show you in this series. Let's start at Ephesians 2:19 and see what it has to say to us. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Here's one of the things I think we've, we way underestimate or we misunderstand the full implications of. When you become a Christian, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when Jesus moves inside your soul and his blood washes away the sins of your life and removes all guilt and all shame and sets you in right relationship with God, that is a miracle and it is, a, it is a powerful life change. And I think a lot of our challenges come from a lack of understanding on what our identity is in Christ. Like, who are you in Jesus? Well, here's what the Ephesians says. You are no longer foreigners and strangers. You are citizens of a new kingdom. In other words, you, you were a foreigner and a stranger to God. Now you're a foreigner and stranger to the world, but now you're a citizen of heaven, right? In other words, you pass from death to life, from darkness to light. You were alive to the world, but dead to God. Now you're alive to God, but dead to the world. Now what are the implications of that? The implications of that, your entire community just changed. You inherited a family. Everybody you're going to spend eternity in heaven with is your family. That's your new community. That's your, those are your primary relationships in the world. So imagine for a minute, for a person who becomes a U.S. citizen, your citizenship is now not in Japan or Africa or Australia or England or, or Canada or wherever. When you become a citizen of the United States, your primary relationships are now Americans. Because that's where your citizenship is. Once you become a citizen of heaven, your primary relationships are now centered there. Because that's where your citizenship is. That's where you're headed. That's where you belong. That's where your community is. So Ephesians says that God is building a family for himself, and Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Look at verse 21 and 22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You are being built together to become a dwelling in which God's spirit lives. So what's the picture? We are, uh, First Peter we'll look at in a minute, we are living stones. We are living pieces of construction particle for the kingdom of God, and Jesus is stacking us together and aligning us to the chief cornerstone so that the building might be balanced and healthy and have a strong foundation and rise to the sky and be a temple for the presence of the Lord. And God himself lives in that temple. So our relationships together in this new kingdom are the, are the building blocks of Jesus' work on earth, of Jesus' kingdom, and a dwelling place for his presence. So the more I want God, the more willing I am to build a relationship with you. 
And the more you want God, the more willing you are to build a relationship with another Christian because the Holy Spirit is drawing us together. He's scooping these living stones up together and he's making a house for his presence. And you and I have have a part in that. We, We have a piece in that. So you probably heard, many of you've heard uh, the scripture in the New Testament that says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, are you by yourself, you alone, am I, are we the temple of the Holy Spirit by ourselves? Well, now Ephesians comes along and says, no, no, you're not the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Which one is it? The answer is Yes. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit by yourself, but we are also the temple of the Holy Spirit collectively. You're a little temple of the Holy Spirit. But when you take these little temples of the Holy Spirit and you stack them together into a house that God is building, his presence is going to dwell in that house among us in a way it's never going to dwell in any one of us by ourselves. That's the temple. Of, I'm just, I just came to explain Ephesians to you. Is that all right? We're just unpacking what the Bible says. This is what the Bible's teaching us. So if you're serious about God's presence, you have to be serious about building relationships with other Christians. I can remember um, when I was younger, my mom's gone to heaven now, but uh, when I was younger and moved away from school, uh, for school and then into ministry, I never lived uh, close to my family again. And that was hard because I only got to see them oftentimes once or twice a year at holidays or whatever. But it was such a big deal to my mom. You know, she would do everything she could do to make us want to come home. You know, what, what, what do you need? You know, you, is there a new, we got a new mattress. You know, she'd be calling me two or three weeks for Christmas. What cereal do y'all like? You know, is it uh, whole milk, 2% or 1%? You know, skim. What kind of snacks do you think the boys will like to eat? You know, she was forever. What do we need to do? Add a wing on the house? Do we need to move? What do we need to do? How do we get you home? You know, how can we make this, almost like a mafia boss, how can we make this work, you know? I mean, she was serious about it. And when we got there, you know, she'd have little snacks and little containers around. So uh, you just have to plop your arm off the recliner and just rake it in, you know? Everything Everything was contoured to make you feel like this is where I belong. And, and, and so she was doing everything she could do to make the atmosphere as attractive to us as she could. That's what Ephesians is saying. How do, how do we make our lives attractive to the presence of God? How do we do that? We allow the living stones to be connected together because that's where God's presence dwells in its greatest power. And its greatest fullness is when we connect together. We all know this principle's true. We, we prepare for what we want to attract. And so if we're serious about being a dwelling place for the presence of God, then we have to be as intentional about building these relationships as we are about prayer and worship and Bible study. Because it's just as spiritual. And it's just as necessary for the presence of God to fill his temple. And so, look, I've never been a hunter, but I've, you know, hung out with a few people who hunt. And I've always been amazed at the lengths that they would go through to try to attract a deer. 
you know, like we plant corn and they're out there off-season farming and rearranging the forest and moving trees and building tree houses. And I think, I just buy deer. I mean, I, like, I don't get it. I, I'm glad you get it and I'm not against it. I just don't get it. And I just go buy me a deer and, you know, slaughter it or something. I, I, I don't, like you spend, you know, all this money just trying to attract this little animal. And, and, and duck hunters, you Pastor Jason or himself, he's a duck hunter, and he's told me stories of all the things that people would buy in camo and spray animal urine on themselves, and I'm just thinking, good grief. Just, you know, Publix has duck. You can just go buy it. I'm not that interested. But we know that we prepare for what we want to attract. So if, so if you use social media, what do you do? You curate that post down and you try to word it in the right way and release it at the right time because you're trying to attract engagement. If you're building a website, right? And you just go on and on and on and on. Well, here's the question I have for you today. What are you attracting the way that you are living your life in relationship with other believers, is, is it attractive to the Holy Spirit? Is it attracting the presence of the Holy Spirit? It is a temple that he wants to dwell in. So what do we do? Well, first off, don't overcomplicate it. Okay, don't make it this big thing that only Paul the Apostle can do. And no, no, us regular people can't do it. Don't overcomplicate it. It's this simple. Intentionally reach out to other Christians in ways that are pleasing to God. That's it. You have to do it on purpose. In other words, you're not going to wait for a relationship spaceship to land on you. It's not coming. You have to do it on purpose. You have to do it in a way that's pleasing to God. And it, and it has to be a priority to you. Like that's the way that that works. So you have to move past, well, I recognize a few people's faces. I, I know a couple of people's names. Um, and you have to eventually move into relationship where there are people who are following Jesus with you and you know them well enough you know, to encourage them. And they know you well enough to know how to encourage you. Everybody knows we've had moments where a stranger's encouraged us and it was nice and it was polite, but we walked away and we said, they don't really know me. Because if they did, they would know that's not that encouraging. But when someone really knows you, they can speak into your life in a way and they can add strength to you and they can encourage you with something as simple as one sentence because they know you. And that takes, like, intentionality. That takes, it takes investment. It takes discernment. It takes prayer. So here's a question I have for you. If you really needed prayer, is there someone in your life, is there someone in this church that you, that you could call or text or reach out to? Now, look, don't name one of the pastors because everybody knows that pastors aren't real people, right? We're not talking about... I don't even know if we eat or sleep or anything like that. You know, pastors aren't real people. I'm talking about a real person, a real deal person. Is there someone in this church family that you say, I, I, I know who it is? 
I have someone I could call. I have someone I could reach out to you. Is there someone in your life that could ask you questions like, how's your devotions going? What's the last couple of months been like for you? That you care about each other, that you, maybe you're in the same life group or you serve together on the same ministry team or maybe it's that you come early and you guys sit at Kingwood Joe's at the coffee house or you stay late and hang out after and, and talk and catch up. But the point is, that you know one another well enough that you, you genuinely care about each other. And when you don't see that person at church, you, they're missing. If they don't see you, you're missing. And there's a disconnect there somewhere. And these, these missing relationships are part of the hindrance to us experiencing the fullness of God's presence because the temple's got too many holes in it. <laughs> it leaked. So the temple's got to knit together more closely. So 1 Peter, as the verse I mentioned earlier, chapter 2, verse 5, says it like this. You also, like living stones, there's where we get the name of our series, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So you are living stones being built into a spiritual house. So let me give you, let me give you three quick takeaways this morning if you want to write these down. And you only have to write them down if you want to go to heaven. Other than that, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just ignore it. Number one, you are not a brick. Remember, this is about identity. You are not a brick. You know why you're not a brick? Because bricks are man-made. And bricks are uniform. And they're all the same color, and they're all the same shape, and they're all the same size, and they all look alike, and they all function alike, and they're not very valuable. If you've ever gone to a work site, you'll just see a brick chipped in half and a bunch of uh, chipped bricks laying everywhere. You're not a brick. And, 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 and I want to show you a picture of this uh, brick wall. See how that looks? You are not a brick, and Jesus' church is not a brick wall. So number two, you are a living stone. You know why? Because God made you, and you're alive. And we all have different shapes, and we all have different colors, and we all have different backgrounds. And you know what decides how, how a, a stone is shaped? Pressure. And we all had different kind of pressure and, and things that have happened in our life that shaped, this is the best Buck Creek offered, so I want you to know. Here it is. <laughs> pressure is, what, and every, every stone is a little different. Isn't that how the kingdom of God is? Stones are different, and when you bring these stones together and they're aligned to the chief cornerstone, something supernatural happens, and you have a house that looks like this. It's rich and it's layered and it's contoured and it's anchored to the cornerstone and it's, and it's together and the presence of God, the Bible says, fills it. You're a living stone submitting yourself to Jesus with a new level of humility and you know what happens with that? You notice this isn't perfectly round. You know why? Because some of you got some sharp edges. You know how those get chipped away? By getting close to another stone. And they get chipped away. And you know what? Some of your edges need to be knocked off and some of my edges need to be knocked off. But they're, gonna, they're not gonna get knocked off if all we do is this. We gotta do this. And we start to get close enough together that there's friction, there's a little bit of rubbing, there's a little bit that happens and these little chips start to get knocked off and we become more useful to God. And we become a better temple for his presence and for his spirit to inhabit. What good is a stone by itself? What, a paperweight? Maybe a decoration for the garden? 
A stone by itself is not much. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit by yourself, but by yourself, that's not much. But when you stack together with other little temples and become a house for the Lord to dwell in, something supernatural and incredible begins to happen. If you look at a stone building, you know what's interesting about a stone building? When you look at it, you never see one stone. You know what you see? The whole building. You don't look at a stone building with thousands of stones that go, that one right there. <laughs> you look at it and you go, wow, how did they build this? And you know who, who gets all the glory and the credit? The builder. <laughs> you know who the builder of the church is? Is Jesus. He's the builder. He gets all the credit and all the glory. And this is what God is inviting us to, a faith that submits to the master builder and then is built together and filled with his presence. So in the Old Testament, we see this. In the Old Testament, when the temple was finished and it was built by stone, by the way, this is what the Bible says that happened. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Now let me show you something. Wait, let me show you something incredible. God has been building a temple for his presence throughout all of world history. In the Old Testament, it was a physical building built with stone that his presence inhabited. In the New Testament, it's a spiritual building built with living stones, you and I, knitted together with relationships so that his presence might fill the house. Not this room. Not this building. Not even this campus. We could move and go somewhere else to a whole other building. It wouldn't change that. What changes that is the relationships that connect this family together. That's what, that's what, that's how the house is built. So it's living stones. Now, let's circle back one more time. We're only as strong as our relationships. And we'll only go as far as our relationships will carry us. So what do we do? Where do we start? Number three, start with lunch. And we're back. <laughs> Why? Do I think that you're going to go to lunch with somebody and God's glory is going to smack you in the face at McAllister's Deli and revival's going to break out in McAllister's? No. No, I don't. And I don't even think that would be what the Holy Spirit would be trying to do there. I think what the Holy Spirit would be trying to do there is to knit his people together so that there might be enough trust and enough care and enough love that it would be a place for his presence. It would become attractive for his presence. And that doesn't happen in an event. It doesn't happen in a conference. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. Relationships grow like trees. And they have to be tended and they have to be nurtured and they have to be invested in. But what happens is God is both wanting to do the sudden and the immediate, but he's also wanting to do the slow and the overtime. 
And that's what happens when you and I knit together and allow the urgency for this teaching to rise in our church. You're going to see a greater filling, not, not today, not next Sunday, maybe not even during the series. It might take till the fall or winter or maybe next spring. Because remember, relationships grow like trees. Might take some time. But you will begin to see the presence of God fill this church in another way. And we need all the ways that God's presence will fill us, don't we? So, maybe you're, you know, brand new to Kingwood Church and I got good news for you, you don't know anybody. <laughs> you can take everybody out to lunch, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. So if this is your first Sunday, man, you came at such a good time. Look over at somebody and say, you want to go eat when this is over? And just start. You're not getting married, okay? You're not even dating, right? You're not making a commitment. It's not a contract. It's one meal. And if you hate it, you know, go with somebody else. I don't know what to tell you. This is good chaos though, right? And so if you're new or if you're online, uh, let, me, let me invite you to do something. We've got a large uh, number of people who watch us online. If you're online, why don't you just go over to the comment section and just tell us your name and where you're watching from. This is, you know, Laura Smith watching from Helena or, or wherever. And just let your step be, I'm just going to identify myself. I'm not going to be anonymous anymore. I'm just going to identify myself that I'm participating in this service uh, through technology. And I'm just going to make myself known. And then when that happens, all the rest of you that are on, say, hey, yay. You know, put a little fire emoji and birthday party and all that stuff. Yay, Laura's here. We're glad you're here. For those of you, uh, and look, I, I talked to someone like this recently in our church. For those of you, the last three years of chaos has caused some relationships to shrink in your life. Maybe it's time for you to rebuild some relationships. Maybe it's just time for you to reach out and rebuild some of those relationships that have kind of suffered in this season. And then some of you say, well, I, got, I got great relationships. I got all kind of relationships here at Kingwood. Great. You know what it's time for you to do? To help somebody else find the kind of relationships you have. And you know what that might mean? That might mean you just become attentive enough to the people around you that you introduce people. You know one of the best things I can ever do for people in our church is introduce them to somebody they don't know? I, I can't tell you how many times I'm walking around somewhere. Sometimes it happens, I'm not even at church. And I, I see somebody I know real well and I see somebody else I know real well. And I'm just, we're just talking away and I'm looking at them and I go, they don't know each other. <laughs> I don't think they've ever met. And I assume because I know them so well, like how have you not even met yet? So one of the things that you might do is just take a minute and introduce somebody to somebody else. But look, don't dismiss this as unspiritual. It is not unspiritual. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, that you, what? How can you love somebody who don't even know their name? How can you love somebody when you don't know them? You never met them, right? I'm telling you, 
God wants to build a spiritual house, not this building. He wants to build a spiritual house in this season and prepare us to be a movement of hope to Shelby County. And the way we're going to do that is get deeper connected with each other. So, you might say, man, I hope his healing takes longer. Maybe he won't preach again for a while. I've got, a, I've got a, just a thought to leave you with. So we all get a choice. Do, do you want to go to church or do you want to be the church? We all get a choice. We all get to pick. And what I'm saying to you is cultural Christianity is not going to do it. So here's my question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you?